Hello, everybody. Welcome to Good Friday at 514 Church via the live stream. We, uh, we are streaming together. It's, it's unfortunate that we can't gather, but we are gathering in the name of Jesus. People are gathering all over the world, celebrating the cross of Jesus Christ. And after tonight, I think we'll see a little bit more of why the cross is worth celebrating. Jesus said that if we drink from him, that streams of living water would flow from our innermost being. I am pretty sure when he said that, he wasn't talking about live streams streaming from us, but nonetheless, here we are streaming live. I couldn't help with my church joke. Um, I'm super glad to be with you guys tonight, and I want to just remind you that staying at home is the right thing to do continually. I know there are some some uh, numbers that are coming out that are encouraging, and there's some ideas about potentially this thing being over sooner, but don't let that stop us from staying home and staying safe. Uh, even here at 514 Church, we have decided to add a little bit more to these live stream experiences with some music, but we are taking it very, very seriously keeping our distance, and in the entire building, there's just about 10 people, um, and half of them are in another room somewhere. So we are really working hard to make sure that we stay safe. And uh, tonight, we are going to um, uh, take communion together. So this isn't just for like wine with DeWine. Sorry, I can't help it. Um, This is because we are going to take communion at the end of my message. And we've been announcing this on social media all week long. And I want you to right now, before we kind of get going here, I want you to go grab um, some wine or some grape juice. Or if you don't even have that and you you weren't prepared, get some apple juice grab some bread. That's all I did is I broke up some bread. I put it in this cup and you can get it all prepared because by the end of tonight, we're going to take communion together and we are going to celebrate the the body of Christ given for us and the blood of Christ uh, shed for us on the cross. And it's going to be an amazing moment of celebration. And we're going to do that, all of us um, at 514 Church and everybody that's joining live here tonight. We're so glad that you're with us. Tonight, I'm going to read several different portions of scripture, and, uh, and I'm excited to do that. And some of them we'll put up on the screen, but this first one is just gonna be something that I want you to listen to, and then we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna sing a couple songs together. And, you know, following a, a worship band and worship leaders, when it's via a live stream and you're sitting in your house or you're sitting alone, it's a different experience. But at a very baseline, at a heart level, you can engage. You can engage, you can engage with prayer, you can speak these words out, you can read these words, you can sing these words if that's your thing out loud. You can do all of that and you can let these songs be a part of kind of preparing us to hear what God has to say as we open up our hearts to Him. So to start off with, I'm gonna read a passage of scripture from the book of John. John chapter 19 is all about the sentencing, the trial, sentencing, and the actual crucifixion and death of Jesus. And I'm just going to read the first section, and then I'm going to pray. But while I'm reading this section, um, just listen to these words, the story, the story of our Savior standing before a Roman government, being sentenced to death, a death that would be the most glorious moment in the history of the world, 
a death that would not end in death, it would end in resurrection, all for you and me. So this is John 19, and I'm going to read up through verse 16. So just quiet your heart, maybe even close your eyes, and just listen to these words. I'll pray when I'm done, and then we can sing these songs together. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! But Jesus answered, or but Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Father, tonight we come before you, we come before your throne, and we look back 2,000 years ago to the moment where you made a way and we look at you and we worship you and we think about the cross and the horrific picture of your death and take it to a new meaning in our hearts tonight. We worship you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for being the Lamb of God slain for us. We give our hearts to you tonight. We join together in the name of Jesus to picture you on your cross to see it new, to see it fresh, to thank you, to worship you for giving yourself for us, for shedding your blood, for letting your body be broken for us, and for paying 
for our sin so that we can be freed and we can have life and know you. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you tonight. In Jesus' name. afraid to sing with us. See him there, the great I am, a crown of thorns upon his head, the Father's heart displayed for us. Oh God, we thank you for We cursed your name, and even still, you bore our shame and paid the cost. Oh God, we thank you for the cross. Behold the Lamb, the story written on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. And we sing your praise. Endless hallelujahs to your holy name. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory your voice up wherever you are. Sing this with us. Come on. Behold the Lamb. 
blessing on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory.
lost in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne.
exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place you alone deserve our praise you're the name above all names be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place you alone deserve our praise you're the name above all names be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place you alone deserve our praise you're the name above all names be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place you alone deserve our praise you're the name above all names be exalted Oh, please. 
so thankful that you decided to do what you did 2,000 years ago on the cross. That the price that we should have paid for our sin, you decided to take it upon yourself to give your only son so that we could be free. Thank you in all of the moments before the cross to where you could have changed your mind. You could have decided to go a different direction. But because you believed in us, every single person watching this service tonight, you loved them so, so much that you went through with it. You took on every sin of every person that has ever lived and who will live so that we could spend eternity with you. Such a beautiful, amazing truth. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen. I'm gonna read a couple passages of scripture. You can uh, look at them on the screen there. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 25. Where is the man? Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him 
crucified. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude or your relationship should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death, on a cross. This isn't on the screen, but it continues on. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Like I mentioned earlier, Tonight, we are going to be celebrating the cross. We're going to be celebrating the cross. And when we think about the cross, we might wonder how something so brutal, some device of torment and torture and destruction of the human body could have turned in to something so wonderful, victorious, and a symbol of goodness. You see, the cross for all of us it may have a certain level of meaning. For some people, the cross has a tremendous amount of meaning. For some people, they see a cross and they get excited. For some people, the cross just seems like something religious that, that is in old buildings or on walls somewhere. But some people have crosses tattooed on their, their bodies. Some people have uh, shirts that have crosses on them. Some people wear necklaces of gold and silver and they put a cross on that necklace and they carry it around. Uh, for some of us, we have books like the Bible or different theology books that have a cross on them. And so the cross, it has meaning that is most likely richer than what you are or I may understand at this moment. And as we grow and as we continue to kind of look at the cross and walk around the cross and come to Good Friday and every year think about the cross, we need to take time to, to see if there's more there than what we had thought originally. Or maybe we need to take time and go, if, if, it's, if it's on that shirt, if it's on their neck, if it's on that wall, if they tattooed it to their body, if it's on that book, if it's in all these places all over the world, then maybe there's more to it. Justin the Martyr said that the cross is a, a central symbol in all of the world. That actually no matter where you go, you can't get away from pictures of the cross. That if you dig a ditch, that the top of that handle on that shovel has a cross across it. And that if you set sail across the ocean, that that mast that catches that sail and therefore propels people through the water with wind that that mast has a cross. And so if the cross has all of these places in our world and it has all of this kind of significance at different levels, what does it all mean? What is there? And how did this cross, which was in fact 
an instrument of pain and suffering and domination and death, how did it turn into a picture of victory? You see, just before Christ was born and before he grew 30 years old or 32 years old and was crucified, within 50 years of his life, 10,000 Jews were crucified on the streets around and leading up to Jerusalem. And within 50 years of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, 10,000 more Jews were crucified by the Romans. And everywhere you went during the time of Christ, a cross was a picture of Roman power, and it represented a bloodthirsty, oppressive world and nation and kingdom that Honestly, if you looked at the cross, if you saw the cross, if you thought about the cross, it would incite rage and disgust for those that saw it. Not unlike the way the swastika, swastika does for us today that understand the meaning that it held in World War II. You see, the cross was a picture of death. It was a, an instrument of pain. It was something that was used by the Romans to put people who would challenge their authority in a place of humiliation and devastation. And it was used as a symbol for all those that were living to walk around and see it and go, I don't want to mess with that power because if I do, then that will become my world. I will be crucified on a cross because they do it every single day without batting an eye. And so the cross, this instrument of death, it has so much more meaning, and it's been turned into a picture of victory. How did the cross that Jesus died on go from a picture of death and devastation to a picture of glorious victory that we put on our bodies and wear around our necks and stamp on our Bibles and we celebrate tonight? How did it become such a wonderful picture of Love and hope and faith and sacrifice and goodness. You see, it's obvious from the scriptures that I read that Paul believes that the cross was not just something amazing, but it was something worth preaching. In 1 Corinthians to this church that he loved, he says, what I have for you is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, if you think about him writing that to those people, in that time, in the first century, when Jesus, right around when Jesus was alive, the cross still was a picture of death. But for Paul, it had already been transformed. He believes that the cross is worth preaching. You would never preach the cross to people during that time unless its meaning had been dramatically changed. So he's preaching the cross. In fact, he doesn't even just preach the cross. He believes that the cross, in some ways, is all that we have. Not just something that went from gloriously disgusting and vile to something victorious, but almost exclusively becoming a picture of our only hope. How did the cross get changed into that. You see, the reason is, is that Paul, he knows something about the cross that those people he was preaching to, they didn't understand it yet. 
And it's, it's true that they started to understand it, and some of us understand it. But the thing about the cross is we can understand it a little bit, but maybe not understand it fully and appreciate it at the depth that it was intended to be, kind of like a song. You know, you might have a song that you hear, and you might go, I love that song. That song moves me. You know, I, I have roll the windows down for that song, or, you know, I, I love that song. It, it, it beats in my chest in such a, a fun way, but you may not understand music theory, but you still appreciate it. See, that's the way the cross can be. And as Paul was preaching the cross, he was transforming its meaning from just something that you hear to something that you appreciate at a deeper level, maybe like food. I know a lot of us right now, we can't go to the restaurants that we want to. And so many of us, the first thing we'll do is we'll go to that restaurant where that chef cooks that food and we'll sit down and we'll eat it and it will taste good, but we may not understand why it tastes that good. We may not understand how a chef takes food and adds the appropriate amount of spices to it to make it something that when it hits our palate, we are blown away. You see, Paul understood the cross like a connoisseur. He was a connoisseur of the cross. He understood its depth. He understood its flavors. He understood the theory of it. And what he is doing, along with other authors of the New Testament, is he is trying to show you that there is a meaning of the cross that is more than you could have imagined and that it's absolutely pivotal for how this tool that was used as an instrument of death was transformed into a, into a symbol of victory. You see, it's, it's very clear, the more you spend time in this book, that Paul as an author of 13 of these letters in this New Testament that we have, and the authors of the gospel messages of Jesus Christ, that they saw the cross and what Jesus did on the cross very, very differently. In fact, what they saw it as, at, they saw it as an exodus, or exodus part two, or a new exodus. And the main reason that they believe this is not just because of what Jesus did on the cross, but because of when he did it. You see, Jesus, he went to die on a cross during the week of Passover. And Passover was the week where the Jews came together every single year, and they had been doing it for thousands of years up until that point, already celebrating the moment when, when God through the prophet Moses, delivered the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. Now, Jesus could have gone to Jerusalem to die on a Roman cross at any time, but it's very important, and the authors put it in there, even the text that I read at the beginning of the service from John 19, it reminds us that while Jesus is standing trial before Pontius Pilate, that it's the Passover preparation time. The authors of the New Testament want us to know that Jesus decided to go into Jerusalem during the time when the people would celebrate the most important historical moment in the history of their nation. The moment when as a people, after 400 years of slavery, God would lead them to freedom. And what happens when Jesus goes and he gets on that cross is nothing short of a mirror image of Moses delivering his people from slavery. 
Jesus on the cross is a picture of the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea. Jews celebrated this event more than anything else. And the deliverance of those people from this oppressive, evil king through this miraculous handiwork of God, leading through the prophet Moses, this was the picture of Jesus on the cross. He goes at Passover to say, remember what you're celebrating? I'm about to do that again. You see the parting of the Red Sea? which sprung the Israelites out of bondage and simultaneously destroyed the evil powers of darkness that chased them down, that's the picture of the cross. The picture of the cross. Moses, he delivers God's people out of slavery into a promised land. That's what happens in the, 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 the Old Testament story of Exodus. Moses is out in the wilderness. God gets a hold of him through a flaming bush something that is on fire but not consumed, something that is brilliant and catches the eye of any person, Moses goes towards this bush, and it's the power of God, and he says to Moses, I've heard my people, I want them to be set free, and I want them to get the promised land. And then there's this whole story that unfolds of Moses leading the people into the promised land. Jesus delivers people from sin and death into now, not the promised land on earth, but the beginnings of new creation on all of earth. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's doing something there that represents what happened thousands of years before in the history of the Israelites. Now he's broadening the track through the Red Sea and offering it to all people. Moses, from slavery, to the promised land, Jesus, from brokenness into the beginnings of new creation. You see, in the book of Genesis, we are God's people, and we are designed to be agents in a beautiful world. In Exodus, what happens is sin captures us, and this is a point I want to make. I want you to see Genesis. We are these people that were designed to be the agents of God in a beautiful world. Exodus come al comes along and it shows us the story. It shows us the story of how people, yes, we're in trouble and we need our sins wiped away because of the things that we do. But the picture in Exodus is not just of something that we do. It's actually of something that was done to us. That the powers of darkness enslaved the people of Israel. They went there, if you know the story, and I won't get into it too much, they went there because Joseph, through a story before them, had brought his family into um, Egypt, and God blessed them there. They, they gave them all that they needed. But after 400 years, a king rose up that saw how many uh, Israelites there were, and instead of blessing them and giving them a safe haven, he turned them into slaves. And for 400 years, the people were in bondage. Do you understand? It's a picture. It's a picture of what happened to humanity. God made his people to be his representatives, to live and flourish and bring beauty and goodness into the world. And here we go. We step into darkness and there are powers and forces that are greater than all of us that put us into slavery. They pull out evil desires. They make us do things we don't want to do. They put us in a position of darkness and suffering. And so many people know what I'm talking about. Well, when Jesus went to the cross, you guys, 
He went to the cross to spring you from that darkness. He went to the cross to spring you from that brokenness. He went to the cross so that he could set you free, so that you could move on to a new beginning, a new creation. Moses led his people through the Red Sea into the promised land. Jesus on a cross fights the powers of darkness and leads you and me to God's original design, beauty and goodness and freedom from the slavery of sin and death. Do you see the picture? Jesus, he's betrayed by Judas. You know the story. If you don't, you should go read the story. The night that Jesus sits with his disciples and is at that last Passover meal when he is literally bringing the past into the future and he's taking the future and bringing it into the present. He sits and Judas, one of his disciples, is actually, as the scriptures say, he is entered by the devil, the enemy, the figure in the scriptures, the father of lies, the one who is responsible for manipulating the darkness and pulling people into it, enters into Judas, and Jesus and Judas are sitting there across from one another. Jesus and the powers of evil. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as Moses standing before Pharaoh, who represents the powers of evil and darkness. Jesus then goes and he gets arrested and he stands before Rome. I read about it. And him standing before Rome is the same thing as, as Moses going into the entire nation of Egypt and saying, you need to, to let these people go. Jesus, he dies a painful death. The Passover is a picture of this painful death. In the Passover story, what we see is that the last miracle that Moses did to kind of get Pharaoh to let the people go is a lamb needed to be slaughtered and had to die so that anyone that had the blood of the lamb on their door, their firstborn child, would stay alive. You see, Jesus dies this painful death. It's a picture of the Passover lamb. And then Jesus raises to life. The symbolism in Exodus is what happens when all the people spring out of the Red Sea through away from the powers that were chasing them down. Exodus, my friends, Exodus is the story of slavery to Canaan crossing the Red Sea through the power of God. The new Exodus is the story of sin into new creation. It is from the, the power of the blood that was shed on the cross, a display of power, of ultimate kingship and love on the cross. God, he delivered his people of Israel so they could throw off the shackles and be his people again. Jesus delivers us from sin so we can be his people again. Jesus does this for us on the cross. What I want you to see is something new. I want you to see how Paul, could actually write a letter and say, I don't have anything. I don't have anything but Christ crucified. I don't have anything but the picture of the cross. 
I want you to know that is what I have because what Jesus did on the cross was he delivered people from the powers of darkness. So how does this all happen? How, how, well, how does the cross deliver us from the power of darkness? You see, the scriptures teach us, they teach us that the wages of sin is death. And what that means is that we, because we've sinned, we deserve to die. And on the cross, Jesus pays the penalty for that death. The wages of sin is death. And he steps in and says, instead of you paying the wages, I'll pay the wages. But the other part of the cross is that you and I have been enslaved by the powers of darkness. And when Jesus goes to the cross, what he does is he takes all of the weight of all the powers of darkness, all the evil, all the sin. They basically move on his body. And then he raises from the dead as if to say, there you go. You're set free. You're out. You're, you're out. You, you get, to, you get to, to be free from these. You get to be set free from slavery. You get it. It's all there for you right now. You see, the picture of the cross is one of love because Jesus laid down his life and the scriptures say that there's no greater love than laying down your life. There's no greater picture of care than when Jesus on the cross gave himself so that all those powers of darkness could kind of extinguish themselves on him and then he could raise glorious from the dead in two and a half days later and say, look, if death came after me and it gave me all that it had and I overcame it, then you can put your faith in me and through me you will be set free. He experienced the full weight of what death and darkness means to humans and then he beat those forces through resurrection power. What I want you to get here is that there's this picture, the cross, when Jesus is dying on that cross, that it's, it's similar or it's equal to that moment in the, the story of the Exodus when the people have been set free from Pharaoh and they get to the Red Sea and then the armies of Egypt come back because Pharaoh changed his mind if you know this story. And what you have is you have Jesus that looks like he's been defeated on the cross and you have the Israelites and there they are, they look like they're gonna be caught by the powers of Egypt. And God miraculously opens up the Red Sea and they pass through and they cross the sea and they lead through this, 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 this dry land, through, a, through a, this body of water and they go through to the other side. That's the same thing as Jesus on a cross. He dies and then he raises from the dead. He springs from the clutches of death and he finds victory on the other side. You see, the crossing of the Red Sea led the powers of darkness into the water only to be destroyed. Do you understand the picture? If you know the story, you know what happens is they go through the water and when they get to the other side, the Egyptian armies, they follow in and then the waters close in on top of them and destroy them. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, 
when he rose from the dead after being on the cross. It's the same thing as those powers of darkness being snuffed out, being destroyed. Jesus beat them on the cross. He went to Jerusalem at Passover so that he could say, you were set free from a literal slavery and I'm going to set you free from literal slavery and sin and death and brokenness. And now, if you know me, you have hope forever. I took it all because I love you. I laid down my life for you. You see, in John 3.16, it says that God loved the world, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. In the death of Jesus, it doesn't just make all the difference in your world, it makes all the difference in the world. You see, when you look at the cross, you might think, I'm so glad that Jesus died for me, and he did die for you, and he did pay for your sins, and he does deliver you from the powers of darkness. But in John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world. And so Jesus on the cross doesn't just take care of your individual sins. He takes care of all the powers of evil and darkness in the world. He takes care of anything that can cause death, anything that can cause pain, anything that's not working the way it should be, anything in the world, Jesus took care of it on the cross. What this means is that in a time like this, when we have this coronavirus that's all over the world, we can actually step into what Jesus did on the cross and know Jesus loves me. Jesus defeated the powers of darkness from the spiritual stuff that separates us from God to the brokenness in the world to the way that humans don't function and we get sick and we treat each other horribly and we destroy one another to all the biggest problems in the world. Jesus took care of those things. He defeated those powers on the cross. My friends, the cross of Christ defeats coronavirus. It actually beats it. It actually has a spot for it. It says, yes, I understand you have a little bit of a foothold on them now. But ultimately, God went to a cross and he defeated those powers. And if you believe in him, then one day, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the death, all of the sadness, all of the tears will be wiped away because Jesus defeated it all on the cross it's a picture of his love it's a picture of his power you guys Rome they displayed their power by taking people and putting them up on crosses to humiliate them Jesus displayed his power by putting himself on the cross in the ultimate act of love and in the ultimate act of giving of himself and he revolutionized what power and love looked like he said here I am they put you up here to humiliate you I put myself up here to serve you by defeating the powers of darkness by overcoming it all and giving you eternal hope. When we think about the story of Jesus 
and we think about it this way, that Jesus goes during Passover and he's standing before the powers of darkness and ultimately he defeats them and he, he, he gives us a pathway into new creation and life. When you see him standing before Pilate and you hear those words, my, my kingdom's not from this world, it's from another place, you can kind of see that Jesus is standing off with Pilate and that this, this power thing is about to go down. There's a showdown that's about to, to happen and Jesus ultimately wins. And of course, like I mentioned, Jesus at the Passover, he's sitting there and the powers of evil are there. And so is Jesus. And before all of that, he washes feet as if to say, this is how we should treat one another. You guys, the Passover meal is a moment that brings what happened thousands of years ago into the present of Jesus' life. And it brings us right up to now to where we can go, okay, I can now at the Passover, I can celebrate what Jesus did for me. I can celebrate his body that was broken for me. I can celebrate his blood that was shed for me. I can celebrate the fact that when Jesus went to the cross, that he defeated the powers of darkness and I'm gonna put my faith in him. Because if he rose from the dead, I want to be like tied to him, known with him. I want to be viewed and known and believe that I have a savior named Jesus. So Jesus at the Passover, what he did is he said, I'm gonna take this symbol of the bread and the cup from before and I'm gonna give it this new and fresh meaning. I'm gonna go to the cross, my body's gonna be broken, my blood is gonna be shed for you and I wanna give you that meaning right now. I want you to take this communion time, this, this Passover remembering time to look at the fact that my body was broken because I love you, my blood was shed because I wanted my blood to forgive you of your sins, to deliver you from the powers of darkness and anytime we take it, we're remembering that Jesus set us free from darkness anytime we take the Passover bread and cup. So tonight, we call it communion, a time to move close to God, a time to give thanks to God, a time to, to remember what he did for us, a time to experience Jesus in a very real and heartfelt way. And so I'm gonna lead us through this, but if you're here and you're listening and you're watching, I wanna just encourage you that you can have a relationship with Jesus and that when Jesus died on this cross and he rose from his death, listen, it's something that is an offering to you. You have to accept it, you have to take it, you have to say, okay, if he defeated the powers of darkness, then I believe he's God and I want to put my faith in him, I wanna trust him, I believe that he can overcome all the problems in the world, that he can ultimately raise dead people to life. And one day, if I, when I die, I'm gonna be risen from the dead because I put my faith in him. And so, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, who went on a cross to deliver us from the powers of darkness, then you need to do that before we take this communion and we thank him for what he did for us. We need to start up. We need to give our hearts to Jesus. Some of you out there, you need to trust Jesus. You need to look at what he did and if he defeated all the powers of darkness and ultimately 
if one day when he comes back and he returns, all of the pain and all of the problems that we're experiencing today, that he has those completely wrapped up and they're done, then right now you need the presence of God, the one who is going to fix all the problems in the future. He gives you himself now to give you peace in the midst of the problems. One of the things that Jesus did is after he left earth, he gave us his spirit, and his spirit is to be with us in the midst of the storms of life. And you need the presence of the living God in your heart right now. You need that more than ever before. We have this darkness, we have this, this disease that's showing us that life is fragile. It's making us live in fear. It's making us tremble. It's making us question everything. Jesus said, I've given you my spirit so that you can have me in the midst of the darkness that you're going to be in. And one day, he'll come back and he'll eradicate all of it. But for now, you need to embrace the spirit of Jesus. You need to tell Jesus you believe in him. You need to ask for forgiveness of your sins. You need to thank him for defeating the powers of darkness. You need to ask him to be your savior. You have to do that. That's an important piece of this. You have to choose him. To whoever chooses Jesus, he's given them the right to be called children of God. If you believe in his name, if you put faith in him above all other things, then you become his child, you have the peace of God, and you start living a life of worship. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me, a prayer of faith, where you start to place your heart into the hands of God who defeated all the darkness and all the problems and all the powers in the world forevermore. And let's take a minute and let's pray. God, we thank you for delivering us from the powers of darkness. And we know that some of them are still here right now and that, that you have an answer for that. You rose from the dead. And so we place our faith in you who rose from the dead, who showed us that no matter what the darkness is, no matter what the pain is, no matter what the problem is, that you have overcome it. So God, we don't put our faith in the economy, and we don't put our faith in our friends, and we don't put our faith in our health. We put our faith in Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, who took all of the weight of all of the darkness and defeated it. Father, we put our faith in you. We ask you, Jesus, tonight, if you're out there and you've never done this, just say this to him. Jesus, I want your spirit. I want your spirit. I want you in my heart. I want, I want to feel your presence. I want to know your peace. Ask him and he will move into your heart and your life like you cannot imagine and you will start to experience peace that passes understanding, and you will start to experience life, and life is not when everything goes back to the way it was before coronavirus. Life is Jesus, and having Jesus is having life, and having life is knowing God, and ultimately placing your faith in what he's done and what he will do for you forever. So ask Jesus for a spirit. Say, Jesus, I want your spirit in my heart. I want your spirit in my life. I believe in you. I place my faith in you. I trust in 
you tonight. Good Friday. I trust you. And just say amen. And if you are listening and watching, I want you right now to just write down this phone number that's at the bottom of the screen. I know this is kind of crazy, but we want to know if you've placed your faith in Jesus. We want to know that you're grabbing on to the hope that comes from Jesus, that you're grabbing on to the God who defeated the powers of evil and darkness, that delivered us from them. So put this phone number in your phone right now. Take a minute. Put it in your phone. Put it in there. And at some point within the next 12 hours, just type the words and text the words, I believe in your name to that phone number. We want to know that you have placed your faith in Jesus. We have been commissioned by Jesus to go into the world and preach the good news that Jesus has overcome the powers of darkness, that there's a kingdom of light that's worth following, and you are supposed to follow Jesus. And we wanna know because when you place your faith in Jesus, you become a part of this community called the church. And we want to know you and we want to help you and we want to live with you and do life with you and, 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 and figure out life with you. So you need to do that before the next 12 hours is over. Right now, for all of us that know Jesus and have the spirit of him in our lives and for those of us that have just now said we believe in Jesus for the first time, we're gonna take communion together. We're gonna take a moment and we're gonna remember the Passover. We're gonna see it in a different way. We're gonna see that his body and his blood, it represents victory. It represents hope. It represents life. Him giving his life out of his love for us. His body was broken and he set us free. He rose from the dead. And so as Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, what he did is he took, he took the cup. So I want you to take your cup right now. And he said, as often as you drink this wine, drink it in remembrance of me. For my blood was shed for you. And what the scriptures teach is that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so as we drink the wine, we remember that Jesus' blood was spilt so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. And so right now, with me, I wanna just invite you to go ahead and drink the cup. And on that same night, he took bread and he held it up and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he said, I want you to, from now on, when you think about my body and you think about me, think about how I was put on a cross. And that when I was put on that cross, it, it was a symbol of death and destruction and of breaking bodies. But now, as often as you take this bread and you remember that my body was broken on a cross, I want you to remember that after my body was broken on a cross, that that was the beginning of overcoming all the powers of evil. And now that cross that bodies were broken on will be a symbol of life 
and resurrection. And so we look at the bread and we think, God let his body be broken for me so that I could be set free from the powers of darkness and evil in the world. And so I wanna invite you right now to take the bread and think about his body being broken for us, healing us. Right now, let's take it together. Jesus, thank you so much for your blood. Thank you so much for putting yourself on that cross for turning what power looked like upside down by giving yourself. Father, thank you so much for how much you care for us, how much you've done for us. And God, tonight we're gonna, we're gonna sing one more song, God, about how a cross that was meant and designed to kill was turned into a picture of victory and salvation. And we thank you, Jesus, for doing that for us. We worship you.
guys so much for joining us tonight and again I just want to encourage you that if you've never received Christ and you've never taken on that that moment in your life where you go okay I'm going to follow Jesus I want you to wrestle with it you need him these these painful scenarios they're just moments where our need and desperation they kind of get bigger but it doesn't mean we need God more now. We've always needed God. You always need God, and your hope is not that coronavirus is going to go away. Your hope is in Jesus, because if it's not that, it's something else. And the cross of Jesus Christ, it defeats it all. It fixes it all. It gives you peace now. It gives you purpose now. You need to put your faith in Jesus now and live the rest of your Life. Jesus is life. This moment that happened 2,000 years ago isn't just supposed to be a moment. It's supposed to be your moment right now. You're supposed to give your life to him. The God who made you loves you. So if you believe in him for the first time, then text in that number that we put at the bottom of the screen. If it's there now, just go ahead and text it in. Say, I believe in. Text your name. We want to know that you're a part 
of God's family in this special way. Thank you guys for being a part of the Good Friday service. And we are going to be back with you all on Easter Sunday. We want to invite you to join us. Join us for our Easter services. We're going to stream live at 10 o'clock. And then we're going to be showing the Easter service all day long, every two hours, 10 o'clock, 12, 2, all the way to about 8 o'clock. We want you to, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with us. I can't wait to be with you then. We're all going to be back here. And so um, it is unfortunate that we can't gather in this room together. And trust me, there's something about preaching to an empty room that's going to make me, I promise, it's going to make me a better preacher because when you all get in here, I'm going to freak out. I can't wait until we're all together. I can't wait until we get that moment. We love you guys, and we will join you via the live stream on Sunday for Easter at 514 Church. We'll see you then. Thanks, guys.